my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Christina Daly. How are you, Christina? Good. How are you doing, Brian? I am doing great. Christina is a 2012 graduate of our program, and um, she is currently um, serving as the Director of Sales and Marketing for Resort Pass. Um, So we are going to get to hear all about Resort Pass and what she's um, currently doing in the um, hospitality, uh, travel, and tourism space. Um, But we're going to go back in time first and get to know you a little bit better, Christina. Christina, tell us uh, where you're from originally. Yeah, so I grew up in Auburn in Northern California and then went to Cal Poly. So I like to say I slowly made it down the coast because now I'm living in San Diego. I've been there since I graduated in 2012. So kind of experienced all of California. (laughs) Uh, You're you're just a bird flying south for the winter, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. What did did your parents do uh, growing up, Christina? Yeah. So my mom was a real estate agent. So she specialized in lake uh, lakefront property in the Auburn area. And then my dad uh, is actually a Cal Poly grad as well. So he studied mechanical engineering uh, and he actually owns and manages his own machine shop up here. Right on. Okay. Well, we have uh, have a little bit of a uh, uh, overlap there. My brother is a machinist. Um, so I know a little bit about that, but, um, uh, but he doesn't have a, a, a mechanical engineering degree from Cal Poly. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's a little bit higher in there. That's awesome. So that's cool to have a family connection to Cal Poly. What were you like growing up, Christina? What was, uh, what was your jam? What were you into? Yeah, definitely. I was very involved in sports. So I played uh, volleyball, you know, pretty much as long as I can remember, (laughs) and did club sports and everything like that. Um, I was also very involved in leadership, Uh which is kind of what drew me to event planning and the major um, where I was, you know, the ASB vice president. So I was in charge of all of our dances and Uh homecoming and all those fun things. Uh Yeah, you know, uh, you may have heard me say this before, Christina, I have, um, uh, there's been so many benefits for me and for the department with this podcast. um, But that's one that it's almost like it's like unlock the secret for us of how we get such great students, right? And that's that um, ASB students, students who are involved in leadership in middle school and high school, they plan events, right? And and some catch that uh, event planning bug, if you will, right? They just love it. And um, and they start that they realize, you know, they find us through that avenue. And so uh, that's really cool to hear you say that. Um, so you obviously... Um, had a dad that went to Cal Poly, so you knew mm-hmm. about Cal Poly. But sometimes we, uh, you know, we we as as young people um, uh, want to uh, be rebellious and not follow in our parents' footsteps. So, uh, what was that process like for finding your way down here to Cal Poly? Yeah, well, I definitely grew up hearing all the stories, uh-huh. the good times at Cal Poly with uh-huh. you know my dad, and so, um, and then we actually did a trip. Um, my high school had a week where you can in October where you could go look at colleges. So we actually did 
pretty much the whole California coast looking yeah. at colleges. And once I got down to Cal Poly and San Luis Obispo, yeah. I just fell in love with it. And especially I grew up in a smaller town in Auburn. Yeah. So for me, slow was like the perfect transition to a little mm-hmm. bit bigger of an area. Right. And then once uh, I got to talk, um, you know, with my counselor, she was telling me all about um the department and it was just such a perfect fit. And yeah. uh, I was very lucky. I got in early admission, so I didn't have to wait the extra six months. <laughs> right. right. And engineer dad was, uh, was, uh, was supportive of, uh, of recreation parks and tourism administration. As yeah, a path. He, <laughs> he came around to he it. Came I, around. Was a, a very different, I mean, he knows he has a very analytical mindset. I have a very uh-huh. creative one. So I think he knew there was yeah. no chance of me taking over the machine shop. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and he knew how uh, passionate I was uh, and how cool. involved I was in leadership. And he just saw how happy that made me. So yeah. he was very, they were both very supportive of the decision. I love that. I love that. That's great. Um, and uh, so let's talk about that time at Cal Poly. You know, I like to ask um, a couple of different questions um, during during your time. Obviously, most of the students who I, or most of the former students, I should say, most of the alumni who I talked to about their experience at Cal Poly are ones who were super involved, right, during their time. And, um, and, and so I like to start with the first question being like, not, not really associated with that involvement as much. Um, we'll, we'll go down the professional development path here in a second, but is there a, a special memory that you have or, or set of memories about your time here in San Luis Obispo that really stand out? Yeah, I think what just stands out to me about Cal Poly is just everyone's so like-minded and so active. So it was such an easy transition from high school to college where it was, you know, whether it was playing volleyball, sand volleyball at the rec center or playing intramural sports, you know, everyone was super engaging and definitely worked hard, but also, you know, was very active. And so for me, it was just a great experience to be able to be surrounded by people that, you know, were very ambitious, but also like to have a good time fun and loving, yeah. yeah, fun loving. And especially, um, you know, being in uh, the department of all the fun events and activities that we were doing. My roommate was a civil engineer. So I got a lot of eye rolls when I would say, oh, we're going to the beach for an, a cleanup activity. Or uh, uh-huh. I went to Belize on the ecotourism seminar for a week during spring break. And yeah, so that got a lot you of, went with, so you went with Jacobs, you went yep. with Jacobs to, to Belize. Yes. Which is oh, incredible, which was awesome. such an amazing opportunity and experience. Um, yeah. And so I think just, you know, especially the learn by doing, I think mm-hmm. that's something that's held true with me of just, mm-hmm. you know, you got to figure it out yourself and, um, yeah. And that's what, you know, really also really attracted me to Cal Poly. Right. Well, that's a good segue then into that professional development, you know, so we really do um, do 
we really try to embrace that that learn by doing mantra. And um, but really, you know, I've said this before. People have heard me say this. It, it really ultimately is up to the student, though. I mean, um, how much you truly embrace it, right? You can be as you can be disengaged at a learn by doing institution. Um, I, it's a little bit harder now. You know, when I was <laughs> in classes at North Carolina with a thousand people, right? There was not much learn by doing. I could just sit in the back row and and uh, and read the newspaper. But, um, you know, one of the things that I just love about Cal Poly students is is embracing that that learn by doing and embracing professional development. So is there are is is there one or or two things that you did that really stand out as as helping to propel you into a career? Yeah, I would say definitely just being you know, like you said, being engaged in class, but really taking it that next step and asking a lot of questions. So whether mm-hmm. you're, you know, during your internship or if you're just helping out on an event, um, you know, really finding out more information about kind of that business and how it runs and understanding the mechanics of, you know, how can you um be prepared going into, you know, if it's event planning, you know, if you're able to understand, okay, these are the things that they look for either an employee or if challenges that they're seeing uh, in their business and able to provide some solutions for that, you know, it's going to prepare you for the longer run, but also just leveraging those connections that you have, because you can learn, there's so much that you can learn in the classroom, but especially when you're talking to someone that's doing it every day, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a much better understanding and they'll be able to help you prepare for, you know, what your next steps may be. Right. I love it. I love it. Now you also, in addition to going to Belize, you studied abroad as well, didn't you? Yes, yes, yeah. I did in Florence, yeah. Italy, which was incredible. Yeah. I highly recommend anyone travel abroad because it's right. going to just, you know, expand everything you thought about the world. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that had to be rough. Florence, Italy. Wow. I, uh, that must have been a tough assignment. A tough assignment to have to travel to Florence. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that pretty amazing? Oh, yes, it was incredible. Um, I can't say that my Italian is quite up to par, (laughs) (laughs) but it was um, really amazing just to see, you know, they live in in such a different way in like small apartments, especially in Florence. You know, they're not very car dependent. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was really interesting, you know, just being exposed to that lifestyle um, as well as, you know, I got to meet several um, people that were also studying abroad that have mm-hmm. become lifelong friends that, you know, live all over the world. Yeah. So that's an, another um, great thing that comes from it. Love it. Love it. So let's talk about um, coming out of Cal Poly right into your internship. And, um, and uh, I, I know you, you, you did your internship with Special Olympics, correct? Yeah. So yep, tell, us, tell us about the process of, um, of getting that internship and, um, and what that experience was like, you know, working for and an, an just um, such an amazing organization, Special Olympics. And we've had such a long partnership with them for many years. And um, so what was that like? Yeah, it was definitely one of the most rewarding experiences of my career mm-hmm. um, from the start, you know, going through the interview process to getting the actual internship. I was just 
so excited. And the team there, you know, was small but mighty. And so mm-hmm. it was an incredible experience in the fact that, you know, there you only have, I think there was three of us. <laughs> so, yeah. and we were yeah. throwing this huge uh, regional event. And right. uh, especially back then, you know, we were, it was just starting to get into the transition of technology where, you know, we were still handling, I think, all of the registrations you filled out online and then it exported into an Excel doc. Uh Um, So I know we've made a lot of advancements uh, since then, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, um, I got to help out on the marketing side as well as help with um, some of the fundraising, which is just such a great experience for anyone, you know, Mm because it's, you're kind of putting on that sales cap a little bit. You're asking people for money and you're not necessarily giving them anything in exchange. Right. Um, And, but it was incredible to see just the generosity that people were able to provide. And then at the actual event, um, it was just so rewarding to see these kids light up, you know, at the end of the race, no matter what place they got, they were just so excited and, uh, incredible amount of people there to support them as well. It's so special. That's awesome. I love that. And, and, and speaking of sales, I mean, that propelled you into your next, um, you know, uh, uh, a working world experience, I guess, right? A career experience, um, building experience um, with Camivo. And so I guess you had another small but mighty uh, uh, organization there, right? Didn't, didn't yep. you say that there, there were only three people, um, a, a, a local local San Luis Obispo company where, where you were engaged in sales. I wonder if you can talk about um, that aspect. You know, I've had a few podcast guests on recently where we've, we, we've discussed this, this element of sales. And I think a lot of um, early career um, uh, individuals um, you know, recent graduates, I think they kind of bristle at sales like, oh, I didn't go to school for sales. Right. When in reality, uh, living in a capitalistic society, <laughs> we're all involved in sales in one way, shape or form. Right. So I wonder if you can talk about um, having balancing that aspect, right? Your mom was in sales. So I imagine you had a little bit of um, uh, of family knowledge there and support from your mom. But but what was it like um, in those early days learning to, to be a sales rep? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was. So that was kind of my first job while I was still after my inter- internship while still working at or was still um, studying at Cal Poly. So I was mm-hmm. working there half time. I started out as a uh, a, a BDR, which is essentially just go, call, cold calling. I think I would make like a right. hundred cold calls a week <laughs> right, right. or something along that, like that, which is definitely, you know, teaches you a lot about how to communicate with people, uh-huh. you know, how to try to get through the door when someone says no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really what that taught me is just, you know, hard work does pay off. So if you make enough calls, eventually Mm -hmm. someone's going to say yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from there, I was um, actually promoted to a full-time sales rep where before I was just setting up, you know, the, doing the initial calls, passing Mm -hmm. off the lead, and then got to a point where I was actually managing the full sales cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And really through that, was, you know, how I really figured out the best way to communicate with different types of people, because there's going to be your analytical person that just wants quick, short answers. You want 
there's going to be people that care about, you know, how does this affect everyone in the organization Mm -hmm. and really picking up the key points. Yeah. Um, But I think sales really is a good transition really into any career because no matter what you're doing, you're going to be, whether it's an event, you're going to be selling the event and how Mm -hmm. great it is to either the consumers or if you're looking, you know, um, looking at different vendors, trying to figure out which one's going to be the best and using some of those negotiating negotiating skills as well. Um, but I would say, you know, anything that's kind of in sales or even customer service, it's just going to help you have a better understanding of, you know, how people think, how they operate and, you know, help you find ways to communicate with them. Right. I love it. Well, um, you know, uh, all the, the other listeners, um, are, are, are probably waiting to, to get to resort pass. But for me, I've been waiting to get to golf now. Right? <laughs> I, I admitted to you before we started and I've become a, I've become a golf, uh, a golf nut, if you will. Um, during the pandemic, I, uh, I took up golf and, uh, have not looked back. And so, uh, I am very familiar with golf now. Um, uh, and Christina worked with golf now for um almost eight years um she started um as a an account man- manager with um the active network i guess it was at that time mm-hmm. right and then um uh was market sales manager in palm springs and hawaii that sounds like a tough gig <laughs> and then uh and then senior sales manager and so she uh she rose up the ranks even won an award um with got with golf now for sales so um i wonder if you can talk about um that golf space and you know that that took you all the way through the pandemic. Um, and, uh, you know, golf was one of the few, uh, one of the few industries that did not struggle during the pandemic. Um, and so I just wonder if you can talk about like, what did you learn during that experience of almost eight years? You know, that's almost unheard of. And, uh, for your generation to, <laughs> to stay with a company for, for almost eight years and, uh, but you had upward mobility. And so it wasn't like you were stagnant there. So I wonder if you can talk about that experience, um, what it was like, what were, what were some of the key takeaways? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, so it actually started out as an account manager at the Active Network, uh-huh. um, which some of the listeners might be familiar with. They do all the registrations for 5Ks, mm-hmm. different leagues and things like that. I was um, in their golf division. So they actually also had golf technology. I think they have technology for pretty much every sport. Right. Um, and then just the golf division got sold to golf now. So I kind of luckily stumbled my <laughs> stumbled into it through acquisition mm-hmm. um but it was an just an incredible experience and as you mentioned golf you know was truly struggling before the pandemic they're just you okay. know it, yeah. it takes a lot of time to go play golf for yeah. you know 5 hours people and that was the biggest restraints was really the the time commitment and then also just the cost of it and so you know, golf now is really active at, you know, bringing in as many new golfers as possible, trying out, we had golf courses doing 12 holes, nine holes, some were doing per hole, pay by hole. Um, Yeah, just to try to get, you know, some more golfers in. And then with the pandemic, we just had this incredible surge of new golfers coming into the sport, as Mm -hmm. well as, 
you know, people having the time or the flexibility with being able to work from home Mm -hmm. uh, to go, you know, go to the tea box. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my responsibilities were really focused on growing our market. So as you mentioned, I started with uh, Palm Springs in Hawaii, which I got to go out to Hawaii two or three times a year, which was pretty fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but really the, you know, the golf industry has always been a little slow to change. And so my role was really educating them on, in addition to our marketplace, which is where you can go on and book a tea time at, you know, thousands of golf courses. Um, we also provided all of the technology within the golf shop. So their point of sale, credit card processing, tea sheet, uh, booking engines, uh, everything they need to make their business successful. Uh, And the great thing about that was I really got to be a consultant for them on, you know, here, what challenges are you having? How can we help, you know, either provide a solution or being working so closely with all the golf courses, you know, here's what's, you know, this is what a course in Hawaii is doing. This might work for you guys as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, And from a career standpoint, you know, especially now leaving golf now, uh, I'm really able to appreciate all of the training, all of the um, technical skills, as well as the community, community, as I stumble on communication, (laughs) 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 communication skills um, that they provided me. They were Every year we would have a huge annual sales conference where it was essentially updates on the business, but also still, um, you know, educating us on the industry as well as providing additional training, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, a lot of times you don't see in organizations, you start, you do training once. um, And so they were, you know, incredible at making sure that, you know, we are always fine tuning our skills as well as, you know, bringing some more um, value to our partners, either through our solutions or just by through industry knowledge. I love it. I love it. I would imagine that that Cal Poly learned by doing education helped with some of the problem solving aspects too, because like you said, um, um, for those who are not familiar with with golf, like there's so there's so much variability, right? Like each and every um, each and every golf course has its own. Uh, identity has its own culture, has its own status. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would imagine, like you said, like there's, they're, they're a little bit, sometimes a little bit slow to change. Right. And, and trying, I would imagine just, just trying to um, convince them to get on the network um, of golf now was probably uh, that, that was probably a tough sell for some for some, like who are used to doing it their own way. Right. Yeah. And, well, yeah. and when I first started, so, you know, eight years ago, um, we were still competing with the phone with people calling in to booking yeah. two times, you know, no one really does that anymore. You know, yeah. everyone you <laughs> go on their website, you go on the app, you know, yeah. so for us, it was, Hey, we're going to make it convenient. We want to make it as easy as possible for a guest to be able to book a tea time, you know, no one wants to pick up the phone. And then for your staff too, you know, that's so much additional phone calls for them yeah. while they're trying to check people in. So yeah. Yeah, I imagine was, whenever they get a phone call at a golf course, they know that it's someone 60 or older, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, um, and uh, so, yeah, that that's a uh, that's a really good point. I'd never really thought about. So now, you know, we're, we're up to the present. Right. So um, 
So uh, as I said at the beginning, Christina is is now serving as Director of Sales and Marketing for Resort Pass. Um, she's uh, been working there for less than a year and has already been promoted from uh, Director of Hotel Partnerships to uh, Director of Sales and Marketing. So congrats on that. Thank um, you. Tell us, uh, tell us, first of all, um, educate us on, on, um, on what a Resort Pass does. Yeah. So Resort Pass is a platform similar to Golf Now for guests to be able to uh, book a day pass at, we have over a thousand hotel and resorts that we work with throughout Mm -hmm. the Caribbean, Mexico, United States, Canada. We're expanding like crazy. So for the guest side, you know, instead of uh, booking a hotel for the night, you can just access the amenities. So for the pool, book a cabana, Some hotels do spa passes uh, just for the day. And on the flip side for the hotels, it's an incredible revenue generator for them and also allows them to tap into the local community as well as guests that might be staying at um, alternative accommodations like Airbnbs or vacation rentals. Um, And then in addition to that, we also provide what we call white label solutions um, for their hotel guests staying overnight to be able to book their amenities. So their cabanas, uh, if they have any activities or events that are going on, Mm -hmm. and it really acts as the complete solution to be able to manage all of those non-room amenities. Got you. What a great, great idea, (laughs) especially in the era of Airbnb, you know, where, where people, um, yeah, that is such a fabulous idea. And as you were talking, I was thinking to myself like, oh yeah, you know, we, um, my uh, mother-in-law lives in Henderson, Nevada, and there's, um, Green Valley, Green Valley Ranch is, is, is right there in her neighborhood. And I've thought a couple of times like, oh, it would be really cool to be able to book a cabana, but we don't want to have to get a room. Um, so that's, that's such a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's growing like crazy, (laughs) which is very exciting. And, um, we're just really, you know, we're seeing more and more hotels really adopt this concept of, you know, tapping into their local community mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the with the pandemic that really, you know, their room revenue wasn't there. So they had to get creative yeah, with their creative. with their offerings. Yeah. And what we're seeing is that they're, you know, even starting to post some events and some different type of experiences wow. um, where, you know, for like it, it started in San Diego by our CEO, Amanda, uh, who lives in Carlsbad. And, you know, the concept was really born out of you're in San Diego. There's all these incredible resorts, but you live here, you know, and she right. has a dog. Like I have a dog. Right. So it's not, you know, I don't necessarily, I want to go use the pool for the day and experience the resort, but I also want to come home and take care of my dog and sleep yep. in my own bed. Um, and so that's, re- you know, really what it was born from. What a great idea. Amanda's a genius. I love it. Yeah. Uh, a shout out Amanda there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so tell us, uh, tell us, Christina, you know, uh, one of the things that's super exciting about our industry, right, is that um, the, the jobs, uh, the n- no two days are really alike, right? So this is a tough question um, for you, but um, but but what is, um, what would a day, uh, an average day look like for you? <laughs> yeah, well, as director of sales and marketing for a startup, it's definitely, yeah. you know, I wear many different hats and every yeah. day definitely 
the, you know, my tasks depend on the business needs for that particular day. So it definitely shifts, but every morning we start out with um, what we call our stand-up call with the sales team, mm-hmm. which is really just a great way. You know, it's 30 minutes. It allows the team to talk about, you know, any wins or highlights from the day before, as well mm-hmm. as some things that we're hoping to accomplish uh, on that day. Mm-hmm. And since we are a remote company, it's a great way for us to really be able to collaborate. Uh-huh. as well as just build those internal relationships with our team. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, it really just depends on, you know, I'm still actively helping our uh, sales team educate hotels about our marketplace, as well as, you know, how we can help them with booking engines so their guests don't have to call the front desk to book a uh-huh. cabana. They can do it from the convenience of their phone. Uh-huh. Um, and then also providing them with, you know, sales materials, Uh, we have a new blog that we've been working on as well as, you know, just highlighting some of the success stories that we've seen from our partners because they've really been able to generate an incredible amount of revenue as well as um, get creative with their offerings. So I always bring up like Omni La Costa has a fire pit (laughs) that used to sit empty and then they started doing a some more package experience for guests staying at the hotel as well as uh-huh. for um, they sell it on the resort pass marketplace as well. Uh-huh. And so now they're generating $5,000 a month from a fire pit that sat empty just from by the fire providing, pit alone. Oh, yeah, wow. for, just from, you know, providing graham crackers, marshmallows and chocolate. <laughs> what a great so. idea. And and what a great success story. Um, I, I love that. And, and you know, I didn't realize uh, until you just said it that you're a startup. Um, that's, uh, oh, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Like, I, I just assume resort paths like that sounds like such a great idea. That's surely that has been around for years. And, uh, <laughs> so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it was. It was started back in 2016. And then with the pandemic, that kind of changed everything. But we, you know, we've definitely we have over a thousand hotels. So definitely growing and the team has even doubled since I started. So I think I was employee 25. And I think we're over 50 now. So awesome. Yeah, it's a very exciting. So my, my role just kind of depends on, you know, where we what's going on in the business on that day, if we need some more help on the marketing side, driving inbound leads through LinkedIn ads, um, as well as like providing the materials to showcase those type of um, stories like Omni La Costa Mm -hmm. um, and really bringing it to life for hotels. Because I think, you know, at first they're a little resistant to like, oh, non-resort guests. And then it's like, no, yeah, I was was thinking that initially, like, yeah, yeah, that had to be a uh, you know, you, you almost needed a global pandemic to get that <laughs> to, <laughs> to, or a disruption like Airbnb, right. Yeah. To, uh, to get that through the skulls of, uh, of, uh, CEOs of these big companies. Right. But, yeah, uh, but then once you start like sharing the experiences that yeah. they're having, and also like they have complete control over the availability and the pricing. So that right. really allows them to control you know, how much they're charging for a day pass and that, uh-huh. you know, will definitely help with like the type of guests that's coming. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so really my job is just to, you know, help us grow as much as we can uh-huh. um, and really just, you know, provide as much resources for our team as they need. Right. And, you know, I would imagine, I wonder if you can reflect on this. It seems like, um, 
and it seems like this is what Amanda w- was uh, was was onto with with her idea. But it seems like to me that when you think about um, the relationships between tourism and um, and and the destination, right? The 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 locals, the residents, right? It, it seems like that 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 there can be at odds. They can be at odds, right? And, and um and this seems like a way of really connecting those two camps that have not always been um, in concert, right? And so um, it seems like a a really amazing way to make a a resort more a part of the community. Um, Have you you seen that? Is that part of the story you guys try to tell? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we have um, so many hotels and resorts that, you know, started with the day pass, then they start posting, you know, different events that they're having, they might open up the spa pass, because you think about all of these, you know, they have so many incredible amenities, spas, cabanas, pools, beaches, you know, and then mm-hmm. even on top of that, you know, especially in the summer, they have so many different summer programming that's often they're not filling up the spots or the pool sitting empty during Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. So this really allows them to turn all of those a- assets into renter, uh, revenue generating opportunities yeah. for them. And, you know, especially a day pass, it's not costing the hotel anything. They're just allowing the access to the yeah. hotel. So the guest is fa- paying a booking fee to grant, get the access. Yeah. And then they're spending the entire day on property. So they're usually you know, getting breakfast and lunch or lunch and an early dinner, you know, Uh they're, they're spending prop or spending money the entire time they're on the property. So it really helps the hotels and the resorts be able to boost revenue, ancillary revenue across their whole property instead of just, you know, through the room rate, which has been like, historically, it was all about, you know, your room revenue. And I think with the pandemic, not really shift the focus for hoteliers on, okay, we room rates not guaranteed. So where else can we drive revenue and how can we get these guests that don't want to get on an airplane? They don't want to drive far. They don't want to go to a destination and they're sitting there right near backyard, these high spent, high spending guests. So, you know, we're seeing that they're definitely changing the, um, the dynamic between the local communities and the, the properties. I love it. I love it. I think it's so great. Um, so, so let's, let's end, let's end with this, Christina. So uh, if, if you could um, go back in time and talk to your, your younger self, right. And give your younger self some advice um, in, in terms of a, a, a career, um, what, what advice would you, would you give yourself? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, I think especially right after graduating, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, was lost. There's so many different opportunities, so many different like uh, areas, event planning, hotels, like which way you want to go. Um, and really, you know, I got the job at Active Network in the golf department, which to be completely honest, I was hoping to be kind of in a different one. Yeah. And that really just propelled um, my career and especially getting in acquired by Golf Now you know, they've just provided me with so much um, training and experience that, you know, has really helped my uh, being able to, 
get promoted at Resort Pass and help us build a company. And so I would just say, you know, be open to opportunities. It might not be your dream job right at first, but it may lead into something much bigger and help you find that dream job. Um, And also just to always continue to keep learning. You know, I think the biggest thing is you get such an amazing foundation from Cal Poly, but Mm -hmm. things change so quickly. So listening to podcasts, you know, I took some online online classes on digital marketing, you know, constantly reading about the latest trends because things change so often. And also just, you know, if you're already in a profession, you know, just being open to hearing different ideas and adapting uh, new technologies as things change, because, you know, the consumer is constantly (laughs) changing. And so if you're able to really, you know, adapt to that, you're going to be able to be really successful. I love that. You know, we um we try to promote that lifelong learning aspect and um it's it's so true. I mean, if I um you know, if I had stopped <laughs> if I had stopped trying to trying to learn and uh, uh along my path, I would have been in I would have been in trouble and I think uh uh, it, you know, every single, every single, no matter the profession that you get involved in, you, you have to embrace that. You have to embrace that aspect. And, um, and if you don't, you won't get, you won't get as far. Right. And, and I love, I love you talking about that, um, ongoing professional training. I mean, it's so key. And, um, and you are, you are one of, of, uh, a number of, of folks on the, on the podcast who have said, um, don't, realize that the dream job um yes it might be out there somewhere but um you can't always go chasing the dream job uh mm-hmm. right away right you have to kind of build towards that right yep, exactly you know? yeah well and i think that you know now's an incredible time to be you know studying in the industry because you know what we've seen is there's just such a staffing shortage across mm-hmm. uh, the hospitality industry. So, mm-hmm. you know, really being open to different opportunities, you never know where it may lead, or That's even right. the connections that you'll make. You know, so also building those strong connections where That's if someone right. moves to maybe another company that you're interested in, they might be able to help you get that job as well. Yeah, exactly. Such great advice. Well, thank you so much, Christina. I really appreciate you taking the time out. I'm now a, a huge Resort Pass uh, fan. I'm going to be looking for it. Um, are there uh, uh, here in Slow? Do you have any? Do, do we uh, do we have any in the Slow area that I can look at look for? <laughs> We're working on it, so working I'm actually coming down there uh, this week. So hopefully, you, you are. Yeah, right. <laughs> hopefully, on, we'll right have more. I love but it. I love like it. So. um, be looking for resort pass in your area, you listeners. And um, I'm sure after listening to this top podcast with Christina, you'll be a fan like me. And um, I just think it's a fabulous idea and super excited that you're uh, that you're working with them. Thank you so much for taking the time with us today. And um, yeah, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. See ya.